preached last week. Talking about prayer, amen? And we, we know it's essential to spiritual life that the Christian commune with God through prayer, amen? And prayer or spiritual communication, it's at the very heart of the divine human relationship. Thus, if we fail to pray, then we fail to maintain a relationship with God. If we fail to pray, we fail to maintain a relationship with God. If we fail to pray, we fail to maintain a relationship with God. That is self-evident. That is an absolute, amen, something that it would be wise for you and I to embrace fully in our heart, lest we dangerously redefine our Christian relationship. Somebody say amen. And that's what happens with folk. Amen. They say, well, it's not that important. They, they redefine things. Amen. Or they believe they're praying and communing. Amen. But when they're really not. And, uh, that's very dangerous. We've often communicated. Amen. And we've said it here over and over again that true prayer is more than just attending a prayer meeting and far deeper than just uttering words or reciting prayers, just, you know, going through a dry ritual. And sometimes I believe in a place like this where there is pressure, and pressure is a good thing, not a bad thing, and where there's standards, where where you're expected, imagine that, to live like a Christian. You're, you're expected to love to pray. You're expected, amen, to, with your heart, embrace the prayer meeting. Well, sometimes in a place like that, uh, one of the spiritual backlashes is if there are people that attend, that go to, that frequent the prayer meeting, but don't really pray through, they're not really seeking God, amen, it's difficult to break that self-deception because they trust almost it's uh, it's almost an unconscious. You have to define everything, amen. You have to go down into the nuts and the bolts and the motives and the intents because people assume they're seeking God when in fact, amen, they may have not sought God in years, amen. And, uh, you know, I, I know people have reacted um, from outside this fellowship and inside this fellowship from time to time, but people from outside, you know, they say things, uh, you know, like, well, it'd be better if, if you're, you know, if you just attend a prayer meeting because your pastor wants you to. Well, you know, should I want you to attend a prayer meeting? I mean, what, what, what kind of thing is that? Should, should a pastor be encouraging the church? Amen. And establishing, uh, that we should be praying? It'd be like so like me coming into your house and sitting your children down and say, well, when your father has devotions, uh, if you really don't want to go, it'd be better you just didn't attend. Well, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a minute. Amen. I, I'm the father here. I'm, I'm establishing, amen, the devotions. They're going to come whether they like it or not. Amen. And so, you know, where there's authority, people, they chafe. You know why? Because they're rebellious. It's rebellion. So, yes, we establish a prayer meeting. But we're going to tell you just because you attend the prayer meeting doesn't mean you pray. We, we've never let you th- think that, have we? And we never let you just because you show up, amen, just because, you know, you're kneeling down or pacing back and forth or even, amen, speaking in, in, in tongues. None of that necessarily means that you're really praying, amen. And I'm not going to, you know, lead you to believe that that's the case, amen. So it's very important that, you know, if we don't, you know, really, I don't have the desire to come to the prayer meeting, brother. I'm just, you know, scared of you. Well, that's not the right motive. Change your spirit. Just choose to come because God wants you to. See how easy that is? That's the right thing to do. Because God, amen, put me here to be the pastor. Last time I checked, amen, I, I can't help it as me. I just have to make the announcement. And so if he's going to, he's not, you think he's going to tell Luke when we're going to have prayer? Who's he going to tell? Tell me, right? 
And then, then I, then I, do you want, do you want to know when God wants us to have prayer? Yes, sir. Good, good. I'm glad. I, I tell you, see, I make those announcements. Amen. We're having prayer at this time. And so you should want, because, you know, God's going to use me to decide when we're going to have prayer. Now, that's not the end of your obligation to pray. Amen. You, you, there's all types of decisions you have to make between you and God directly. You understand? You come to me and say, you know, I pray. I come to the prayer meeting, and uh, but then when I go home, I pray every night at midnight. Praise God. Amen. So that's not the end of your obligation to pray, but you know, you just need to look at things rightly. And so, in regards to our corporate prayer time. Amen. We've set times and, but sometimes, listen to me, that can be deceptive because people just attend, but they're really not setting their heart to pray. Biblical prayer, prayer that apprehends the promise and inspires moment by moment victory. Amen. Prayer that overcomes the flesh, prayer that rises to the spiritual reality that God is. Amen. That is to pray through. Amen. And so this morning for our instruction, say instruction with me. Let me, I'll give you an hour. I'm teaching you. You're being instructed. See, the real problem with prayer, lots of times at consuming fire fellowship, over the years there's people that don't want to be instructed. They don't want their ideas about prayer to be challenged. And so they hear, amen, what the pulpit is saying, and they have to decide that it's not God speaking to them, and they say, I'm not going to do that. Amen. I don't believe that. See, well, I'm, I'm here to say, I am instructing you. I am teaching you. And I'm teaching you not because it's my preference. Amen. It's because God is laying this on my heart, which means there's a problem. There's a need for you to be challenged. There's a need for you to change your mind about the way you pray. Amen. But if you don't want to hear what God has to say, amen, then you don't even have a right idea of what the local church is for. Amen? Now, if I tell you to pray means to run around naked between here and Gloucester, well, you know that ain't God. Right? But if I tell you, you could be more passionate. If I tell you, you could get up. Amen. You, you, you could lift up your soul. You could be more resolved, more purposeful. They're just sitting around and staring at the pattern in the carpet. That if you were passionate and you were desperate, that you could probably be heard. Oh, well, if I'm wrong about that, then for you to get a little more stirred up in prayer, what's that going to cost you? (laughs) See, it's just rebellion. That's all it is. Over the years, I've, I've preached these kind of messages, and the same people just stare at you, and they don't do nothing. Because you know what? Because they're obstinate and rebellious with religious ideas, and they refuse to be challenged. Amen. You see, the, the golden rule of authority, I'm not asking you to sin. I'm teaching you because there's a problem. We need to get that straight. Because that's why the, the, this thing just, and it, and it really over the years, that's not everybody, you understand? It's not everybody here. But over the years, there's always been that element. It just ain't about to move. Ain't about, it knows good and well. It knows it's being touched. It knows it's being chopped, but I'm not moving. I ain't doing that. You're a rebel. That's what you are. That's what that is, rebellion. If anytime, wherever I've been, if someone stood in the pulpit and challenged, amen, what I believed, as long as the golden rule of thought, they're not asking me to sin, I'm going to humble myself because this is the whole protocol of being discipled. God, you know, if I if I was right about everything, amen, you know, uh, uh, it just makes sense that I'm going to be crossed and challenged, amen, with my opinions. 
And if I need to change and grow in God, then God's going to put his finger on some things, amen, and say, I don't agree with this. And I'm going to have, there's going to have to be somebody in my life that I allow, amen, for God to use to do that. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Praying through what it means to pray through. So this is for your instruction. A person who's teachable, they're willing for their opinions and for their practices to be challenged by the Bible. And again, you see, this is the thing. I'm a, if I were taking you some crazy, but well, one time we went, uh, Charlie and I were going to preach in St. Francisville. And uh, we saw a tent that was set up on the side of the road and we pulled in. And uh, while they were, we kind of, we just rolled down our window. We could hear what they were preaching. And the preacher, I don't remember exactly, you know, what he was saying, but he he passed out party hats and party whistles. You know, or they kind of roll out, you know. And he told everybody to put them on, you know. And that's what they all started blowing party whistles. They had party hats. Now, they never always doing that in here. I'd expect you to walk out of here and have a problem with it. But just to tell you, would you be passionate? Would you, with your will, cry out to God? Would you, would you, would you consider that maybe God would have you to be more passionate in your prayer? To be more resolved, more perfect, to do that. And to have people just sit there and never change. Something's not right with that. Reading in James chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain and the earth brought forth her fruit. Father, we do love you. Lord, I submit myself to you. And I ask that you speak here this morning, Father God. That you put your finger on the spot. That you meet the need at hand, Father. Stir us, Lord. Draw us unto yourself. Build faith amongst us here today. Let the flock be fed. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. In our text here, the scriptures cite the Old Testament example of the prophet Elijah as a man who prayed through. And he was faced, as we know, and I trust we're familiar with the story in First Kings chapter 17 and 18. But through bold, passionate and on dawning prayer, amen, he saw the word of God fulfilled. Amen. He said it was going to rain and rain. It did. Amen. So this morning in our text here, just out of James, we're not going to really concentrate uh, on First Kings. We're going to concentrate on James chapter 5 here. We're going to see some things that I believe that are essential to genuine prayer or praying through. Amen. And the first thing that we see here. That praying through that term, uh, that's what genuine prayer really is, or what the term implies. Amen. And it is commanded. Notice here and elsewhere in, in, in our text that we're reading that we're commanded to pray. And that, that's an irrefutable fact. Amen. To not pray is to break the commandments of God. Somebody say amen. Jesus said in Luke 21 and 36, watch ye therefore, and pray always. The Apostle Paul tells us that we should in First Thessalonians 5 and 17 pray without ceasing. Also, amen, we should be found, as it says in Ephesians 6 and 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication 
in the Spirit. And I could go on and on quoting the Bible. Mr. Luther, Martin Luther said, as it is the business of tailors to make clothes and cobblers to mend shoes, so it is the business of Christians to pray. Mr. Bunyan, amen, writer of Pilgrim's Progress, declared, he that is not a praying man is not a Christian man. The great Scottish preacher Andrew Bernard said, Oh, brother, pray in spite of Satan, pray. Spend hours in prayer. Rather neglect friends than not pray. Rather fast and lose breakfast, dinner, tea, and supper, and sleep too than not to pray. And we must not talk about prayer. We must pray in right earnest. The Lord is near. He comes softly while the virgins sleep. The Bible commentator Matthew Henry declared, You may as soon find a living man that does not breathe as a living Christian that does not pray. Methodist preacher Samuel Chadwick said, Prayer is the acid test of devotion. Amen. And again, I could go on and on and on with quotes from the reformers and from the revivalists and from those Christian patriarchs that we look to. Amen. So prayer is a command. That's not really the question. I believe that we would all agree. But the definition, amen, what is the definition? Are we truly praying? What is it, amen, to really pray? And so the term pray through is really just a definition or a way to describe, amen, what prayer really is. When we say praying through, we mean prayer by faith that refuses to be denied. Prayer that really means business. Amen. Prayer that is focused on the task at hand. You know, there are occasions where we have business with other people. Amen. You know, uh, Wesley has some business to take care of with Kobe today. Amen. They have an arrangement, etc. and so forth. There's been uh, somewhat of an upheaval or a challenge because of his backsliding to that relationship. So they're having a meeting, amen, today, and uh, it's very important. There's going to be some important communications. A lot rests upon what's going to be said, what's going to be heard, amen, and uh, the understanding between them. Somebody understand amen, what I'm talking about. When they meet with one another, I believe you could probably hear them having a conversation. I doubt you could sit at the table and look over at Wesley and he's and Kobe's over here just staring. I bet you can hear them talking to one another. I bet they're going to be paying attention to one another. I believe, amen, that other people could be in the room and other things could be taking place. And probably maybe they might say, look, we're having a meeting here and we need to be able to concentrate. Or they would completely ignore what's going on around them and they're going to be totally and completely focused, amen, with one another. Why? Because the conversation they're having is important. Amen. And so listen to me, that doesn't change just because an individual is talking now to God. In fact, how much more that conversation is the most important conversation we can have, the conversation we have with God. See, praying through is just effectual prayer. Amen. Prayer that refuses to be distracted. It meets every challenge. It touches God. And I can tell you this, when someone prays, you know they're praying. Amen. Listen, when someone truly is fellowshipping with God, amen, as a, you can know that they're truly fellowshipping with God. I've been around people all my Christian life that swore they prayed, but they never prayed. And all you had to do is put a 24 hour, amen, uh, camera on that life and you knew there was something missing. But they would swear, amen, they're walking with God. They would swear that they're praying. The problem was they had redefined what prayer was. Redefined him. Praying through is to touch God and to know it. Praying through is simply effectual. Prayer that accomplished its designed end. Now the object of prayer, first and foremost, is to commune with God. But secondly, to apprehend the promises by faith for the glory of God. 
Amen. There are many promises that are afforded to us through the atonement. Somebody say amen. And for you to live as a real Christian, it's not going to happen just because you got born again. Amen. You've got to seek God. You've got to walk with God. You've got to buy faith. Amen. To get born again, you had to pray through. Amen. If you didn't pray through, you didn't get born again. So you communicate. To get born again, you had to communicate. Communicate with God, and by faith, amen, you had to take the promise of salvation and forgiveness by faith, amen, in what the gospel teaches. And that's an ongoing requirement. And that's going to require that communion back and forth, amen, believing, praying, communing, walking with God. Amen. And if you don't, have you ever, uh, met people that you brought to church or even someone you may have prayed through, uh, or prayed with, uh, in regards to, uh, uh, salvation? You witnessed to them or you preached to them or you were with them when they were being preached to. And, uh, you know, someone uh, says, let's pray. And you, you know, you just don't get a good sense, amen, that they're really praying through, that they really see it right, that there's really been a, uh, an engagement, amen, that that they've really come into union with God. How many of you have seen that before? And they may say they do, amen, and they may attend church for a little while, but by and by, there is a lack of revelation of God. You see, they didn't pray through. And that's the same with people in the church. Even when day by day, you just, the people are not really, uh, you know, seeking God. And they begin to convince themselves just because they're at a prayer meeting that they do. No, praying through is to really pray. Incidentally, the term, amen, that, that term praying through, as far as I know, is not, uh, you know, in the scriptures. However, it represents the biblical principle of true and meaningful prayer, victorious prayer. Thus, all genuine prayer is praying through. And praying through is, in reality, genuine prayer. The old saints of God, they used to use the phrase, taking hold of the horns of the altar. Just another way to describe this sort of prayer. Hey, Amen. You know that's the thing. You can. It's not just the volume. It's not just the body language. But those things are included. Hey, Amen. And people don't look like they're taking hold of anything except for good, comfortable position that they can perhaps take a nap. Amen. In. Listen to me. There's something about an individual that is taking hold of God. This concept of taking hold of the uh, the horns of the altar is rooted in the Old Testament stories like the one found in 1 Kings chapter 2 where David had charged Solomon, his son, and he told him, you remember Joab and what he's done. And he uh, basically implied you need to uh, bring him under judgment. And so when Joab heard that Solomon was going to come after him, he fled into the tabernacle of the Lord, it says, in verse 28, and he caught hold on the horns of the altar. Now listen to me. There was a keen desperation there when he went in. You see, he's fleeing to a place where he assumes that probably only, only place where I'm going to find perhaps a refuge, perhaps peace. And basically, he made the commitment, I'm going to cling to this altar until either I find mercy or I die. That's the whole principle of clinging to the horns of the altar. So prayer is commanded and praying through is genuine prayer. And it has a sort, amen, of desperation, a resolve, a setting forth of the heart, a lifting up of the soul to commune, to walk with God, an unveiling of the natural eye, to see with the spiritual eye. And it always has an effect upon the human soul that does so. It also requires faith. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly. The inspiration to seek, amen, that comes from God. 
That's a byproduct of faith. He that cometh to God must believe that he is. Where there is no faith, amen, there is no inward inspiration to believe that he is. It's unbelief, amen, that, that remains dormant at the prayer meeting. They cannot strain. I, I can tell you this. Many times people, the problem with people, it, it's sin. It's unbelief. Amen. They can't stir. They're dead. They need to repent. There needs to be a cleansing. There needs to be a revival. Amen. There needs to be a life, a, a regeneration that needs to take place. Because if you're alive to God, then you love to talk and commune with God. When men afflicted with some physical malady, when they just automatically rush to the hospital, it's only because they believe they're going to find help there. You'd never go there if you didn't think you were going to find some help. Amen. The inspiration then to seek God springs from a heart encouraged and persuaded to take God at his word. Amen. As I mentioned last week, Andrew Murray said, faith in a prayer hearing God will make a prayer loving Christian. Amen. We'll love prayer when we truly believe that God answers prayer. Amen. Which of course implies prayerlessness above all is an indicator of crippling unbelief. No matter how active, no matter how excited, no matter how verbal, no matter how bold a man may appear to be, amen, that unbelief is going to be exposed in one place, the prayer altar. You see, people, I've seen again over the years that I've served God. I've seen people on the street be the first one to speak up. I've seen people on the street be the, the boldest, the one that would uh, jump right in. I've seen those same individuals be in a crowd, amen. They're going to talk. They love to fellowship, amen. There's no mistaking, amen. They like to interact with other individuals. But then they get in the prayer meeting, and it's silence, amen. There's just an inactivity, totally, listen to me, contrary to their natural character. Something is amiss. We cannot live in the flesh, said Ellie Maxwell, and pray in the spirit. Prayerlessness is symptomatic of a life lived in the flesh, a lack of life in the spirit. Amen. That's what we, uh, you know, we, we must believe and we must judge ourselves by this standard. If I'm inwardly, you see, you don't know how I really view prayer and I really don't know how you view prayer. But we ought to know how we ourselves view it. If we've lost the love for the prayer meeting. Listen to me. Backslidden. Backslidden. That's what backslidden. That's what that is. Amen. We often rightly judge visitors. If a visitor comes in, amen, uh, to the church service, we, we, we can look at it. They're not, they're not entering in. Amen. They're, they're, they're something. They, they look uncomfortable. They look indifferent. Amen. They look detached. Then we would assume that they're what? Not saints, but sinners. Amen. Well, it's the same in here. Amen. Just, they're saying, you ought to come up here sometime. I ought to take this. Tape about 20, 20 worship services and prayer meetings and let you watch yourself. Amen. There, there's some people, there's two extremes and everything in between. There's some people you can look out here during worship. Amen. I leave. There's just one of me up here and I can look at all of you and I can't see too good. And I'm not trying to just look at everyone, but I am the pastor. So I have to keep in mind the, the state of the flock. But then sometimes you can look out here. There's, there's, there's those individuals. Every time. I ain't talking about people who claim to be sinners either. I'm talking about people who claim to be right with God. Then there's other people. They never look like that. They're always entering in. Always. Singing the songs. Entering in. Just rarely ever look out and see that kind of individual. Then you got everything in between. But listen to me. There's so, you, this is the thing. I, I've taught this. This is basic Christianity. You ought to take inventory of yourself. And when you, this is not the deep things of Christianity. This is not, this is not the, this is not deep theology. This is just basic discipleship. 
Amen. When you, when you sing the songs. Amen. You know, enter in, choose to do it. Amen. Choose, whatever we're doing as a church, amen, choose to enter in. Tell your children to shut up. Amen. If they say, I can't get the best. sit down. Amen. And concentrate on Jesus. Amen. Give him worship. Give him praise. Tell your wife to quit. Quit talking to one another and talk to him. Now, granted, there's, you know, I want to qualify this because somebody will come, you know, after and say, uh, and it's a shame you have to say things like it should be just understood. If my wife's having a heart attack, honey, I'm having a heart attack. Well, that'd be all right. Some of you don't like that. You're a rebel. Rebel. Let's give Jesus. You know, I understand. I, have you ever talked? Of course. I'm not trying to to create an atmosphere where you can't even look and say something to somebody. But the problem is, you got people that rather talk, amen, to their children, their wives, or anyone else in here rather than God. God don't like that. He's a jealous God. That's what He said, and I'm here to tell you that. That's the truth. There has to be right priorities. And you see, the prayer meeting exposes this because there's nowhere to hide. There's, you see, just we're going to pray. And then there's nothing. There's no, you know, gymnastics or there's no, you know, uh, props that we can use. And all of it, I can go on the street and I can act bold and I can quote the Bible and never have sought God. And really be one of the most dangerous people. Someone who doesn't pray, who tries to minister, he is dangerous indeed. Probably more dangerous than someone that doesn't do it at all. And the longer you go along, the more you see, because flesh is dangerous. But see, there's a, you can do all that, and nobody really knows. But see, in the prayer meeting, we're all just going to seek God. I can tell you, individuals, and I've got another message, amen, that we're going to be preaching. But those that love God, it's none of them. Every spiritual man I've ever met, no exceptions. I didn't have to ask them where they prayed. Didn't really even have to be in a prayer meeting. I knew they prayed. I knew, I met, I met a lot of people that said they prayed. But I know those individuals that pray, and so do you. Every one of you really know who prays and who don't pray. Amen. We've got to have faith. We've got to draw nigh. Amen. We cannot live in the flesh and pray in the spirit simultaneously. We tell the sinner he must pray, press in, act by faith in regards to the gospel. Amen. Regardless of what he sees or feels. But are we bound by the same principles of unbelief? Faith is simply compelled to come. Faith believes. It rests in God. It rests in His Word. So the one who prays through above all has faith in God. He believes, as the Bible declares, that God is. In other words, He is the answer for every problem that I face. Amen. If you had bills due, amen, $10,000 worth of bills, or $1,000 worth of bills, or $100,000 worth of bills, and you didn't have any money to pay those bills, but I told you, all you have to do is ask this man down the road. He'll give you whatever you have the need of. Amen. You, if you believe me, you'd be there in 10 minutes. Amen. See, it's the same with prayer. If we believe, we, every one of us have needs. Every one of us face a situation. Now, for real Christians, we also want to be like Jesus. That's our greatest need. And nobody, nobody, nobody is going to be like Jesus who doesn't walk with and fellowship with Jesus. And it's possible for disciples, amen, to not really see, you know, the road to Emmaus. They had to have their understanding open. They were attending, amen, a church service, if you will. They, they were being instructed, amen, but they couldn't hear. Do you understand? 
You see, it's going to require that we willfully desire. There has to be a hunger. There has to be a desire to be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And a man that doesn't pray, he may learn to externally mimic. He may quote the Bible. He may, you know, know that this is right and this is wrong. And I don't express myself in front of other people who know that's not right. But the inward heart and the motives will never be changed apart from fellowship with God. No, no. You're not going to be sanctified without seeking the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the only way. The one that prays through, he believes. Amen. He must, we must remember spiritual life and faith are inseparable. And life always enjoys interaction with the life giver. He that has given us the germ of life. Amen. Except we eat, as Jesus said, his flesh. Amen. And drink his blood. Then we have no life in us. That's a, something we're going to have to purposely do. We're going to have to seek him. Amen. We're going to have to internalize his person, his character, his holiness, his spirit and his word. Thus, if we lack that quickening, amen, that principle that inspires us to come, that God is, if we lack that, then the ebb of spiritual life is at best declining, weak, or altogether dead. What's what's the uh, remedy? We have to repent. We have to recognize something's wrong. Amen. God, I need for you to stir a hunger in me. God, I need, I'm detached. I'm, I'm distracted. Amen. It's true that many times I'm sitting, amen, in a prayer meeting and my mind is a million miles away. I, it's true. I'd rather talk, amen, to my wife than talk to you. I'd rather talk to my friends than talk to you. I repent of that. Help me, Lord. Stir me. It's wrong for me to have this type of spirit. Somebody say, Amen. You think it's you think that you should rather want to talk to your wife than God, or your children, or your friends, or your brothers and sisters? No. It's good to love your wife. Good to want to talk to your wife. She'd be right there, second on the list. Amen. But there should be a big chasm. And let me tell you something. If you don't love God supremely, you will not love your wife rightly. Amen? Which is going to require that you deny your wife so that you can cultivate your relationship with Jesus. Amen? Praying through is impossible if you're in sin. You think in this holiness church, we wouldn't have to preach against sin. I've come to learn, though, the reason most people can't pray, or rather they won't pray until they repent of their sin. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We are to confess our sins, for it is only men made righteous in Christ who can offer effectual prayer. Obviously, Elijah was a righteous man when he offered these weather-altering prayers. It would have never rained if he wasn't holy and pure. Amen. If there's any unconfessed, any unforsaken sin in our lives, we will be unable to pray through. We may attend a prayer meeting. We may utter words. Amen. But we're not going to have the grace to really pray through. Psalm 66 and 18. And in fact, that's no praying at all. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Isaiah 1 and 15, and when ye spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Amen. If there is bickering, if there is fighting, 
if they're infighting among people in the church, if there's bitterness, bickering, fighting in the marriage, if there's bickering, fighting, bitterness, rebellion, amen, in the home, if there's any unforgiveness at all, any division, all of that is going to grieve the Spirit of God. You think of Adam when Adam fell. The first natural reaction of fallen man, shame. The second thing he did was try to offer a man-made remedy for his shame. Fig leaves. He's naked. He's ashamed. Let's use this. This is good. This is all right. But when the voice of God was heard, the Bible said that he and Eve fallen Sin they haven't repented of. Sin they haven't addressed rightly. They hid from the presence of the Lord. That's the problem. And now, now listen to me. Let's think, let's think about what Adam did. He didn't go on the internet and look at pornography. He didn't go to a whorehouse and get a whore. He didn't rob a bank. He didn't get drunk. He didn't shoot heroin. He didn't murder anybody. And I'm not trying to, you know, take away the emphasis or the importance because it was sin. He broke a simple commandment not to partake of the fruit of the tree. That's what he did. But he couldn't get through until that was addressed. Listen to me. If you're careless about sin, you look at things you ought not look at, friend. I'm gonna tell you what. You had, you have got to repent of that. You, you can't just sweep that under the rug. Hey man, you understand me? You're not gonna be able to get through. That's what's wrong with lots of people. They've done things. They're violating the Bible. They're sinning. And then they're just, you know, uh, thinking it's really not that important. They've become dull and insensitive to the law of God. Hey man, and to the Spirit. And you know, it just days pass and then weeks pass and then months pass. And they come in a prayer meeting and they can sit there and not even be alive to God. Be totally distant and far. I don't wonder what's wrong with me. Now, if you read Mr. Finney's book, How to Experience Revival, he says you need to take out a pen and paper. You need to get before God. And you need to ask him all the sins that you've committed. You've committed them one by one. You need to write them down one by one. And they need to be repented of. See, this is something you wouldn't assume that you would have to address. But I want you to know, you're doing something, you're lusting. Hey, when you drive down to the, the speed limit says 55 and you go 70. Hey, and when you see it, instead of slowing down to 55, our brother says, you're speeding, you're breaking the law. I don't care. You're not right with God. You're not right with God. You're a rebel. Amen. You, you can think that doesn't matter, but it does matter. Amen. All of it matters. And, and I could bring up uh, hundreds of situations and thousands of situations. We believe in holiness. Moral perfection. It doesn't matter whether it's me or matters with you. If you think you can do things, say things, cultivate a spirit that's outside of the Lord Jesus Christ and not repent of that and have grace to live as a Christian, you are sorely deceived. You've got to be right with God. You've got issues with someone here and they you don't like talking to them. You've got problems, unforgiveness, etc. and so forth. You're not, you know, in, you're not there. There's so many things we could talk about. You know, years ago, this church, when we were smaller, there was a more of a potent unity. There seemed to be that people were afraid to, to uh, you know, harbor a wrong spirit and a wrong attitude, whereas now I see more and more evidence that people will just come right up. And you young people, you used to just be, you know, five and six. You're grown men. You're grown women. You listen to country music. You're not right with God. 
you hypocrite up in here, acting like you're good coming to the altar. You need to stop it. That's not right. You lusting after girls. Hey man, you look, you look at talking, discussing these things amongst yourselves. God hears it. You can come up here and act like you're a Christian. You ain't even repented. You sin? God will forgive you. Hallelujah. But you gotta repent of that thing. You get to talk to Him about it. You need to say, Lord, I sinned. I went somewhere on the internet I shouldn't have went. I was at the Walmart and I went down the wrong row and looked at the wrong magazine. I was in Walmart and I followed a girl around. I saw a girl go this way, so I went this way so I could run into her when she came back this way. I, I was rebellious and disrespectful to my mother or father. You're in sin. You have to make that right. You just brush it under the rug. It'll be all right. No, it won't be all right. You may think it's all right. But in a year or two, if you're still surviving, you'll be sitting here during a prayer meeting wondering why you don't feel anything. Why you don't have any desire. Why you can just put your head down and take a nap. Amen. Because there's things you need to uncover and make right with God Almighty. That's the real problem. Christians love to pray. Amen. And it's true. Baby Christians have to be taught. But other than that, to try to wrangle with people, to get them to pray, there's something not right in that spirit. A refusal to repent is in essence to run from God. That's what you have, people that come. They, 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 a lot of times I believe it's unconscious. Where people, they're, they're, they're running from the presence of God even at a prayer meeting. That's where some people are pressing in and some people are fleeing in the spirit. And the Andros said, if the Christian does not allow prayer to drive sin out of his life, sin will drive prayer out of his life. Like light and darkness, the two cannot dwell together. For the Christian to maintain a prayer life, holiness is absolutely imperative. Mr. Ravenhill said, a sinning man will stop praying, and a praying man will stop sinning. Oh, how I believe that. Amen. That is an absolute truth. Amen. You're not a righteous man. Amen. If there's worldliness. And listen to me. Again, in a place like this, where there's lots of good pressure, then what people do is really, maybe their wife and children know what they are, but they're not going to advertise it. Amen? But in the heart, when I've lost my desire for the holy thing, when I, when I need entertainment rather than God himself, amen, and I'm not saying all entertainment is sinful, but I'm saying when I, when really deep within the reading of the word of God, Amen. The reading and the meditating on the scriptures. Amen. And prayer. It holds no interest to me. Then I am backslidden. I am absolutely backslidden. It doesn't matter that I'm sitting in a church. It doesn't matter that I'm sitting in a good church. Amen. My heart is backslidden and I need to press in and in desperation fall upon the rock that I can be broken. And we dare not expect to overcome. We dare not expect to persevere if we neglect secret prayer. But we're never going to really secretly pray, amen, if we harbor sin, carnality, and the flesh. It's totally contrary to the grace of God. God resisteth the proud. Any pride, any rebellion, any self-will. If you're a self-willed individual, you're an individual without grace because you're proud. You have to repent of that. Humble yourself. Amen. And cry out to the Lord Jesus Christ. Praying through also necessitates diligence. Elijah said, prayed earnestly that it might not rain and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. He prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth 
brought forth her fruit. So Elijah was a man who prayed diligently and he received the answers to his petitions. For example, on Mount Carmel, Elijah prayed on. He prayed over and over in spite of the fact that there was no evidence in the natural. Amen. It says, and Elijah said to Ahab, get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. Amen. He's a perfect example of a man who believes. Amen. God, we know, is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. Not for uh, this night, I'm going to pray, amen, with all my might. That's good. you got to start somewhere. Amen. But you got to string this night with tomorrow night. And tomorrow night with next week. And next week with next month. And next month with next year. It can't just be something fleeting. Amen. That I just, well, tonight I'm going to press in. No. From this point forward, I'm getting things right, and I'm going to seek God. Praying through necessitates that we show diligence, that we refuse to give up, we refuse to cast in the towel, simply because we see little visible proof that God hears or God will answer. you got to put that away. That's just, that's a fight for anybody. Everyone has to overcome that. Amen? You, you have to put that away. But any result-oriented mentality, you just have to believe the Bible and seek Him. This is not only true moment by moment, but likewise, I contend that it's necessary for the Christian to pray through every day. The heart that boldly refuses to be denied will ultimately be rewarded. There is no power, amen, Samuel Chadwick said like that, a prevailing prayer of Abraham pleading for Sodom, Jacob wrestling in the stillness of the night, Moses standing in the breach, Hannah intoxicated with sorrow, David heartbroken with remorse and grief, Jesus in the sweat of blood, and to this list from the records of the church, your personal observation and experience, and always there's the cost of passion under blood. Such prayer prevails. It turns ordinary mortals into men of power. It brings power. It brings fire. It brings rain. It brings life. It brings God. Amen. Diligence. Amen. I'm going to press in and I'm going to continue. There's no hope if you don't press in. This is the narrow way I'm preaching to you. It's the broad way to, to look back and say, well, never been one given to prayer, but it's been fine up till now. You've redefined fine. You don't know what fine is. If a man always ate, ate his grits all his life, you give him a table, he'll know the grits ain't that good. And if you, if you're prayerless, listen to me, you may think it's alright, it's not alright. You've had trouble, amen, I, I can tell you. You, you see, I've seen this pattern all through my experience as a Christian. Amen. God begins to, a man gets born again. The Holy Ghost is going to deal with you about your prayer life. Some people get established, some people don't. But as they go, God's merciful. He's long-suffering. He'll, he doesn't want any, he's not going to destroy you, amen, because you have an erratic prayer life. Amen. You're going to destroy yourself. He's going to continue to try to deal with you, try to humble you, try to, try to instruct you, to wake you. But then that single man marries a wife. Now it becomes more complicated, much more complicated than just one. Now there's two. And because he's, and listen to me, mister, you're prayerless. God help your wife and your children. What a pitiful. Excuse for a man. What treachery, what hate to your family, not to be an individual of prayer. Then he has children. One child, two, three. Might have more than that. Then it becomes way more complicated. And that pattern of putting God off 
That pattern of giving God seconds. That pattern, amen, of getting God, giving God the leftovers begins to bleed into every area of life because really the premise are self-sufficient. They do it their way. Amen. And so trouble comes when I can't quit. I can't put work, amen, down because how can I feed my family? You should have got that straight when you got born again. God is going to feed your family. Seeking first the kingdom of God. Well, my wife, and I, I'm so enthralled with my wife. Amen. I can't pull myself away from my wife. Amen. And so prayer begins to suffer, and your wife who God gave you, amen, as a blessing becomes an idol. And those children that God gave, and you can't see straight as a parent without praying you're a bad parent. You're a bad parent if you don't pray. Yes, sir. You're a bad parent. You're dangerous. You don't pray, you're dangerous. That's the truth. You, you, oh, oh, or you can do it all without, you can do it without him? No. You can't be a good parent without praying. Going to Jesus, praying about these things, situations, problems, difficulties that happen in every family, raising every single child. You're not going to discipline that child right. You're not going to have discernment. That child's going to take you around the block, amen, because of your parental bias. And you're not going to think anything of when that person is deceiving you and everyone else will see it, but you won't see it. Because you don't see God. I can go on and on. And 10, 15. If a person makes it, 10, 15 years down the road, the cares of life are utterly consuming the person. Their Christianity is coming apart at the seams. Oh, Brother Brad, this don't seem to work. It does work. If you follow the manual. Let's stand. A sexual, fervent prayer. Violence has to be exercised when you're praying through. We really covered that last week. And that's more. I mean, a lot of the things that I'm talking about doesn't really define it absolutely. It's an attitude of heart, but it's going to be manifest. It's not just volume. Though anyone who tells me that I can pray silently, and that's the right practice of prayer, they're a liar and they're deceived. Doesn't mean silent prayer is invalid at times. But you know, the thing is, you know, I'm not a very quiet person. When you're around me, I'll, I'll talk. In a fellowship. Is that right? You can hear me talk. When I preach, I'm loud. See, I've seen people over the years, there, there are some people, they're so quiet, you never heard them talk. Well, in a prayer meeting, maybe if you didn't hear them talking, that might be consistent with their nature. But you have people, their whole personality is outward. Much talking, much interaction, and much fellowship. You can hear when they preach. You can hear when they're talking to others. Let me tell you something. That's most people. That ought to be consistent with your prayer demeanor. And when it isn't, something's wrong. Father, we do love you. We do ask you, Lord, to convict us. I pray, Lord, all sin. Convict. Holy Ghost, convict of sin. Righteousness and judgment. I pray you deal with every heart, every soul. Would you find a place to pray?
In Luke chapter 11, the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. And the scriptures say that he said unto them, when you pray, say. You're going to have to say to pray. God forbid, and I don't know that this would be the case, though I fear that it might. There's a person that would perhaps hear preaching like this, or in churches all over America, there's people that would hear messages like this and then kneel at an altar or not and just say nothing. That's, listen to me, that's the self-deception that has to be broken. Or say very little. See, the Holy Ghost is talking to us. And Jesus was telling us what to say. (laughs) What to deal with. And if we're guilty of those things, and we just knelt there and didn't say, then we're so deceived. So deceived. Prayer demands that you say, that you commune, that you talk. I've seen it over and over. People will, this is a hard nut to crack right here. And the Holy Ghost wants to address it in this church. Amen. May we have ears to hear. Praise the Lord. Brother Wesley, could you dismiss us with prayer?